exciting. Um, I need to I need to preface something. We can go ahead and sit down. I need to preface something before we get into this. Uh, all of us have taken a personality test, and they are spooky uh, when you start to figure out yourself. One of the most important things I think you could do leading your family is figure out yourself. Figure out yourself. And so we we did that. Uh, actually, we didn't do that at the beginning. We did it in the past year. And we, we did a thing called the Enneagram, which is not new, uh, but it was new to us. So we took the Enneagram, and what we realized was that Beth and I are angry people. <laughs> and, um, and we realized we probably shouldn't have gotten married. I, I remember sitting in the... Uh, but we make good business partners, it says. So, yeah. yeah, it does say that. There's that. Um, so I remember sitting in the office with Pastor Adam, and we're talking about... Uh, this whole concept of Enneagram and where we fell. I'm an eight, so I'm a hard charger, run over people. Let's keep going. Don't care about your feelings. You shouldn't have any feelings. Let's keep moving. And um, any eights in the room? Come on. Come on, give it up. We're the ones that make the country move forward. So, so, uh, so I realized that about myself. Then I found out Beth was a one, and that is a moral perfectionist. No, 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 no. An eight just wants to run forward. A moral perfectionist is telling the person running forward how they're doing it wrong. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm running, I don't care if it's right or wrong. We're running. So I'm sitting in the office and Pastor Adam's reading through this thing. And I said, what's it say about eights and ones? And he went, oh, he said, they usually don't work out. <laughs> they, 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 he said, you're not the... You're not the type of people that you typically get married. And so I'm like, well, that's encouraging. 23 years, that's encouraging. We've, we've done a difficult thing. It's been easy. It has. It has. So to let you in on our life a little bit, uh, when, you, when you look into that type of personality study, there are what they call triads. And, and there's anger, um, Feeling. feelings, and thinking. Like thinkers. Okay, yeah. anger. People that are just angry, people that are emotional feelings, and people that are thinkers. Both of us are angry. We're from what you would call the anger triad. And so the way we express emotion is just anger. How are you today? Usually from here to here. Yeah. Quickly. Yeah. Very quickly. So I like to say I come from a long line of hot-tempered men. Chris's parents have my joined parents us today. Here, and that's so. my mom right there. This is the whole like, um, what do you call that? Uh, support group? Not support group, but they are that too. But our, um, like our barometer, our yeah, yeah. So, um, lie detector, whatever. Yeah. We're not getting away with anything nope, this morning. Nope, not today. So Madeline took the Enneagram and she's a seven. So we're angry all the time and Madeline's like, dude, where's the party? That's all. You guys stay mad. We're going to have fun. So let me tell you really quick what that looks like in the Jones house on a Sunday morning. So we're up and we're ready and we want to get there. Not that we're early people. We're not always super early for things, but we're on time. And I'm on time angry. <laughs> That's true. Um, so this morning we're like, Madeline, we've got to go. Madeline, we've got to go. And the next thing, so we're standing in the kitchen doing the, I think he said he'd already been out pacing. Like the, the neighbors are like, what is up with him? She comes out and she goes, does this sweater look okay? And we're like, I don't like, care. Just, you've got to have clothes on. Church. Yeah. So, so that's how that plays out. 
in my defense, we were still on time. <laughs> she is very right. <laughs> she, we were still on time. That's not how it works. That's <laughs> not how it works. I'm supposed to be here earlier. Okay, now what you t- see what time how it is really that, works <laughs> in our house. This is the way it works. I'm literally pacing out in front of the garage. I'm thinking, our neighbors are like, there's the church people getting ready for church again. He's mad. <laughs> there's a couple of principles we want to share with you. And when, when I say this up front, we brought Madeline up to reinforce this and also let you know that we didn't get it right all the time. Just because you establish a principle in your life doesn't mean you're 100%. But it's, it's something you're, you're constantly holding up as a standard, constantly holding up as, as where you want to be. Uh, so looking back, Beth and I have been together uh, over 24 years. I've been married 23 years in August. And Madeline is turning 21 in February. She's lived on her own. Uh, this is her third year living on her own. She, she interned in Pittsburgh last year and didn't come home. There's that. And um, didn't come home. And so we thought it would be neat to bring her in and give her a perspective of, of how she was raised and how it is impacting living on your own and being responsible for your own things. So, um, so we kind of felt like we were on the, on the other end of this enough to look back and see where some principles. Now I want to, I want to preface it up front by saying in the moment, I'm not sure we were in, we didn't sit down and intentionally say, this is what we were doing. But when we looked back, we said, this is what we did. And so it, it, it was a time that we had to be able to look back and say, okay, what, what worked and what, what were we doing what was the principle of what we were doing that worked with, with the kids? So Madeline will be 21 in February. Emma uh, turned 18 this year and is freshman WVU. And then Carter turned 16 and has a driver's license and a job, which we encourage. I mean, you're eight, kid. You better start looking. So, we, um, so we're kind of that half-empty nester thing. The kids come back. Uh, Carter's there, and, but he's driver's license, he's gone a lot. And so, you know, we're in a different stage of life that we're going to talk about next week with Don and Linda, uh, that we're getting ready to transition into that empty nest thing. And, and, uh, for every couple that has transitioned that, I know there's a little bit of panic in your, in your heart going, do we even like each other anymore after the kids are gone? So, um, uh, so we're going to bring in next week, Don and Linda talking that. So we're kind of in this, Hey, some of the kids are out and one's still here and we're encouraging him to leave. The girls have their opinion. The girls said he's never leaving, and I think he is, but they said he's not. They're like, he's never going to leave. I'm like, oh, he's leaving. He's actually already asked if he could just buy our house. So, <laughs> not while we're we'll in just it. leave with him. <laughs> That's the equivalent of not leaving. <laughs> so, um, so why don't you why don't you talk about why don't you say the first. Um, principle and then read some of the scriptures. Sure. So our first principle that we came up with was consistency. So Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 11 says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Yeah. So that, that Hebrews verse right there is huge. If you, if you read it, you might not read in the context of kids, but, but this is a giant thing. So Parents, modern day parenting, um, can I just say this every now and then your kids are not going to like your decisions. 
They're not going to like discipline. No kid has ever woke up in the morning and say, I'm ready for it. All the discipline you can give me. So understanding the writer of Hebrews says, Hey, discipline's not fun. It's just not a fun part of life, but it's a necessary part of life. So, so it produces good things in people's lives. And so one thing we wanted to be consistent with at the beginning was the, the, the concept of right and wrong. And in today's society, there is no right and wrong. It's whatever you decide is right and wrong. And so we wanted to teach the kids from very early on that no, there is a, there is a uniform right. If lying is wrong, it's wrong all the time. Some of you are like, well, I mean, there's Santa Claus. If, if, uh, some of you just got that, <laughs> you're like, shh. So, so if things are wrong, they're not situationally wrong. They're wrong. Amen. A little white lie is as bad as a lie. So the circumstance doesn't determine what's right or wrong. It's right or wrong. So we want to be consistent with that. And then, and then, uh, why don't you read Colossians and Ephesians as well? So Colossians 3, verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Yeah. Instead, bring them up in the Lord and instru- up in training and instruction of the Lord. So one of the things that we wanted to do with the kids was, uh, and, and again, looking back, I, I don't think we, we never sat down and had a conversation about this. No, it, was, it, it was just something that we had watched other parents do. We had watched our parents do. We wanted to be consistent uh, with, with what was right and what was wrong all the time. And, and what happens, especially in young children, and this used to, I remember early on, we, used, we did have conversations about this. It used to frustrate me so bad. When our kids were six, four, and two, the idea that I could laugh at my kid one time for doing something and then punish them for doing the same thing at another time was always confusing to me. And let me let you in on a little thing. It's confusing to the kid. So, well, dad, you're laughing at me and almost encouraging me in this moment. And now you're punishing me for it in a different situation. And, and, and kids, look, kids are not 30. They get confused really easy. So the consistency of, no, this is wrong in every circumstance. You will not be disrespectful no matter what's going on. So I'm not going to be laughing at you one minute because your disrespectfulness was actually funny. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it's funny. Yeah, sometimes it is funny. But it's still wrong. Come on, we're coming into the living room. You're going to have to help me out. So sometimes it is funny, but it's still wrong. So the other thing we consistently did is I remember it was SpongeBob and SquarePants. (laughs) He doesn't even know what. (laughs) Just the weirdest stuff. I just. (laughs) It's not that way. It's one person. His name is SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I knew there was a problem with that show. The whole time I said, I was like, no. That's why my kids won't watch that. 
Early on, we decided if we don't want them to be disrespectful, why would we let them watch disrespectful things? The TV is not the babysitter. The iPad is not the babysitter. So what happens is early on, now I'm going to be real honest. This was not in existence when we first started having kids. And I know it's more difficult now. We did, our cell phones stayed in the car when we first started having kids. Because it had to. Because it was attached <laughs> to the car. It was like center console, right. You went out in the morning, you're like checking like, man, did they steal the cell phone last night? It was called a car phone. It wasn't even called a cell phone. So there wasn't a device to hand your kid and go, hey, just occupy yourself for the next 10 minutes with something that doesn't reinforce what we believe. So the consistency of saying, not only do we not want you to be disrespectful, we're not going to let you watch disrespectful shows that teach you something that we don't want you to be. So for me, SpongeBob and SquarePants was, <laughs> it might sound ridiculous, but it was one of those things where I thought, this is, this is just a weird thing that, that I don't think is reinforcing something that we tell our kids. You got to figure that out for you. It will save you a lot of like, that's dumb. So what happened with us is we just try to be consistent across the board. If it's wrong today, it's also wrong tomorrow. Amen. So let me ask you this, parents. There, there comes, I, I watch things that happen. There comes a time where you say, What's wrong for a 12-year-old now all of a sudden is not wrong for a 16-year-old. Like what we started, we started thinking, if I don't want my 12-year-old watching that, why do I want my 16-year-old watching that? Like all of a sudden there's an age where we can absorb wrong and it doesn't affect us. So we wanted throughout their life to have this consistent positive input and, and consistent environment as well. Now, one of the things we had to do to make that happen, remember at the beginning, we talked about us being angry all the time. <laughs> we weren't angry all the time, but our response to things was probably anger and quickly, quickly angry. And so we had decided early on that we weren't going to, we weren't going to allow ourselves to just yell at our kids all the time because it is fun. I heard some little giggles in there. It was, it's a knee jerk for us. And, and, and you don't do what I want you to do. And so why don't you tell them something we did earlier? So something that we did was give each other permission to step in. Um, we trusted one another enough to know, even though I didn't really want you to step in right now because my anger, like you said, I'm, I'm here and I'm right about what I'm angry about. But if he stepped in, I would trust that he was doing it at the right time for the right reasons. Maybe this was an issue we need to talk about, but I wasn't handling it so hot and, and vice versa. Yeah. We, we told a story that Madeline doesn't, she said she doesn't remember and Emma said she doesn't remember, but I vividly remember. Do you remember? She said she does remember when she told the story. Oh, okay. But yeah. So what? I still, don't, I still don't remember. You're like 14, I think. I think Emma was probably 12. Uh, they, they shared a room their whole life. <laughs> yeah, somebody out there understands what that means, right? So they shared a room their whole life. I, ex I still expected them to operate like they had some sense. So they had gotten into a conflict in the room and somebody may or may not have slapped somebody else. They're like, the pastor's kids? 
They're devils too. We actually on. found out. We actually found out last night that happened more than we realized. Madeline fessed up too last night. I was like, I thought it was just that one time, but. So what happens is we were under some stress. I don't know what it is. I was in the basement. I just remember Beth yelling, Chris, you're going to have to handle this. And that was her angry way of saying that she wasn't in the position to discipline the kids right now. So I run up the stairs. Now, just to let you know, it's okay not to know what you're going to do. You're a parent. You don't have it all figured out. We didn't have it all figured out. I just remember running up the steps as fast as I could because I'm thinking, oh, man, if their mother can't handle it, I'm going (laughs) to. So I'm running up the steps. But what happens is if you you know how you are, you have to slow yourself down. So as I'm going up the steps, I'm going, if she can't handle it, then I have to do it the way it needs to be done. So I know how I am. I know I could get up in front of both of their faces and just start. So I had slowed myself down. Wait a second. We got We want to be consistent. We wanted to be consistent. So I stood in front of them and, and I was trying to think of most extreme situation I could, but calmly say it. And I said, Hey, what, how would you like it? If every time I got mad at your mother, I slapped her. That was genius. I got to say. But I said it calmly. And they're just looking at me. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> so, I, 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 as God is my witness, I had no idea what I was going to do. So I'm standing there in a panic now because Madeline's staring at me like, she's just looking at me like, he'll be done sooner or later. <laughs> and I knew I had to bring some punishment. So I'm, I'm literally looking around the room going, if there's ever the time the Holy Spirit should talk to me, it's now because I'm clueless about what to do. And so I was just like, give me your phone. And she, I said, you're not getting this thing back for a week. I, we start bringing that thing up and tell them what you told me. Well, first I asked, how old do you think I was? I said, I think you're about 14. Yeah, and I said, at 14, I didn't care about my phone, so it, it didn't matter. <laughs> So I literally think I did something like, oh, I got her, man. Only like 10 years later to find out she didn't even care about it. (laughs) But the idea was she knew she was too upset to handle it, and I couldn't be too upset to handle it. There There were countless amount of times that in the middle of it, she would look at me and say, for for her, it was more the girls. For me, it was Carter. Uh... We've been camping with friends before. They were in first service, and, and we were camping at a, um, at a, for a soccer tournament. And they said, we knew the Joneses up when we heard Chris say, stop it, Carter. Stop it, Carter. Stop it, Carter. Don't do that, Carter. Stop it, Carter. That's all I said for five years. And, and I have high expectations, and we'll talk about that in a second. So it was one of those things where I could, I could lose it. And I would be justified. I would think I was justified in my mind. And she would say, okay, Chris, you got to calm down. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. Calm down and and approach him the way you should approach him. And and there would be times where you would do the same thing. And I would say, hey, listen, I think you just need to let it ride for a second. Parents, can I tell you this? There's nothing wrong with backing out of it. And just looking at your kid and going, I'm a little bit upset right now. I'm going to come back to you when I'm not. There's nothing wrong with that. 
It's good for them to sit and anticipate getting in trouble a little bit. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with backing out of it a little bit and going, hey, look, I'm going to calm down. Or seeing, or seeing parents communicate calmness to one another. And so we, we tried to do that. We weren't good at it all the time because there were times where we were by ourselves. And, uh, and I wasn't calling or telling her, I'm about ready to flip out on your kid. You better, you better tell me. So, th- so we weren't good at it all the time. But Madeline, tell them something we, the other, something we also try to be consistent with coming back to you guys. Um, like after? Yeah. Yeah. So after we would get like the said discipline or punishment for the, <laughs> the, said, for the crime. Said <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they would make sure to, um, to apologize if they, if they overreacted or yelled at us. Um, and then always made sure that we knew that they still loved us and gave us a hug and everything. So it made it a little bit harder to stay mad at them too <laughs> afterwards, but, but yeah. She didn't say impossible. She said a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing that we try to stay consistent with was church. Now, I'm going to say something that you might not think I would say here, but not just consistent church attendance. Because I don't think, I think consistent church attendance is important. But consistent church attendance does no good if when you leave the church, there's negative conversations about it. So if we attend a church that we're not comfortable with and it's causing and it's causing problems with us and we communicate that in front of our kids then we're then we're we're passing on our anxiety about something to our kids that can't possibly manage that so my advice to you as parents and this might go against the grain of having people come to our church find a church that your kids want to be plugged into Find a church that your kids want to be plugged into. Make church consistent, but make it consistent in a way that they want to be there. So what we started realizing early on was if we came home and no matter, we were on staff here and and things aren't always peachy, you know, there's problems. And so what we would do is we started realizing if we come home and voice those problems to our kids at six, seven, eight, ten, twelve years old, they don't have the capacity to know all the different things that are going into it. They don't have the capacity to know all those things. So what would happen? So what we just said, you know what? We're going to try to not talk about it that much in front of the kids because it's unfair to them. They can't understand everything we're dealing with. And if they hear us talking about, well, well, that person and they're going to show up the next Sunday going, well, that person doesn't like my dad or that person's causing all the trouble. If you want your kid to get a good job, stop complaining about a good job every time you come home. That wasn't in the first service. So what we talk, how we talk about it in front of the kids. So talk about a benefit that we had here. And then, and then so something that we realized, um, we've asked our kids, we, it was always important to us because we were here a lot that our kids still wanted to be here with us. And they always seemed to, I mean, they were the kids that were like, who's coming over for dinner and where are we going after church? They always wanted to be around you guys. So, um, one of the benefits that we had is that, that you as a congregation never put those 
preacher's kids, pastor's kids' expectations on our kids, which is huge because apparently in other places that's a problem. Um, I've been around many pastor's wife, wives that are like, well, you know, this so-and-so, and they expect our kids this and this and this and this. And, you know, you guys have not ever expected them to be perfect. And the fact that you've spoken into their lives, you've, you know, maybe they were out doing something they shouldn't run around doing whatever. And you just kind of wrap your arm. Hey, where are you supposed to be? Not a, you should know better, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, we thank you guys for, for playing that huge part and not putting a crazy expectation on who you thought they should be. Why don't you talk about that some Yeah, so um, I remember you guys asking us a lot, like, do you still like going to church? Like, do you like this? Do you? We were trying to making, get an excuse yeah. to leave because we were oh. like, we're done. <laughs> we don't like it. Do you guys still like it? <laughs> well, and to make sure that, that we still enjoyed it too. And then um, I just remember in different things like, like Flip Kids, even when we were in Flip Kids and then like in the youth group and other things, um, all the leaders were willing to let us help and be involved in like the development process of new ideas and things so we always felt like we were included in that um and that people listened to us as well um and so that really made us excited to come and like be a part of of those groups when we were growing up so let me just say too that's another beautiful part is that we don't have this I guess I could, should say like um, age that you need to be to do. There are a couple jobs that you need to be a certain age, but for the most part, counting money, counting money. Well, I mean, five year olds Well, maybe not five year olds, but but you guys are great at saying, okay, you know, this this one wants help. They're they're five. We can we find things for any age if they want to help to do and to be a part of. It's amazing the people that are on camera crew and tech crew, things that you think that only adults are doing. I mean, we just allow kids to do things. So that's the important part about getting them plugged in and connected, too. It's not just about finding that perfect teacher that they enjoy being with. That's important, but it's making them see that they've got a, a part to play, even though they're little. So those consistencies, right and wrong, consistency in the house. We wanted a calm house. Parents, can I say this? Your kids, it, it's just, it's different. It's just different when we grew up. If you've got young kids, it's different than when you grew up. There was no access to the internet. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about people saying stuff about me after I left school. I would have never found out. And so we're, we're sending kids, school is a, is, a, is a stressful environment because, not because the lessons are hard, but because the culture our society is in now. So what we wanted to do was our kids to come home to a calm house, to a calm house. So that means her and I have to work things out, not necessarily in front of the kids. And we got to be consistent about it. So we tried the anger triad, tried to not be angry at each other in front of the kids all the time. Because they're coming out of stressful environments already during the day. And we want, the, we want them to come into someplace calm. And I'll be honest with you, I like the quiet house. I don't want kids running around yelling and screaming, throwing stuff. I, if I told Carter once, I told him eight zillion times, be quiet, stop banging, stop, don't tap your foot, 
don't bang on the countertop, Carter, stop, stop, please, quiet, 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 quiet. We also, can I get some quiet? <laughs> we live in a great place, too, where we can say, why don't you guys go outside for, for a little bit? The, for a year. <laughs> Maybe not for a year, but. So a consistent calm house, and then we wanted to see them, we wanted them to see us consistent with each other over time. And they have walked, seen us walk through very difficult circumstances outside of the church and business and things like that, uh, that, that required us to be really consistent with each other. It wasn't that we got along all the time, but they knew we didn't have a plan B. There was no backup plan for us to separate or do something different. There was zero backup plan. And so that consistency of them coming home to a calm, stable place. And so we're spending a lot of time on this one because this is what kids need, I believe, the most. Is that consistent place where they could say, when dad says it's wrong, it's always wrong. When mom says it's right, it's always right. And they're, they're in agreement. They're not, they're not chewing each other up. And then the house is a peaceful place that God is honored in. Amen? All right, let's go to the next one. All right, our next is expectations. Proverbs 22, 6. Start off children on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And then Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So expectations. I, I, I read a book a couple, probably seven or eight years ago and, and found out that, you know, the word adolescent wasn't used till like the middle uh, of the 1900s, the term adolescence. It's, it's, a, it's a, a fairly new thing to our culture. If you go back to like the Civil War, they had 12, 13-year-olds running, running ships in the Civil War. So what happens, our cultures moved forward in this situation. I wouldn't say it was forward. It might be backward. That we get this idea as parents that between the ages of like 12 and 18, there's just about six years there where you can't really expect anything. Like they're just going through the puberty phase and they're crazy and they're going to sleep all the time and play video games. Everybody shake your head no. Let's try this therapeutically. Shake your head no. We had expectations for our kids. The Bible talks about expectations. Deuteronomy says, teach them. And, and I believe you should expect what you've taught. Amen? Have the conversation all the time, Deuteronomy says. Have the conversation all the time about expectations. But don't lower the expectations. Let me say it like this. Holding your children to high expectations will be more work for you. And oftentimes what we do is we lower the expectations to make our job easier. If you get C's, I don't have to help you with your homework. If you get A's, it means I might have to sit down with you every evening and help you with your homework so you can get A's. What's the expectation? The expectation should be the better grade. So if I'm going to help them meet that expectation, it's going to be more work for me. Amen? So in our busy life, what we do is we oftentimes lower the expectation because it's less work on the parent. Don't do that. Teenagers have the unbelievable ability to meet the expectation you sit in front of them. 
It's remarkable. If you say, hey, the standard in this house is good grades. They can get good grades. The standard of this house is you're going to be honest. They can be honest. So we held the expectation up. And we said, we want you to live up to godly expectations. So one of the things you have to do with godly expectations, you have to be proactive. You can't run around just disciplining your kid after they do something wrong. And we see this all the time. Parents, we have to be clear on the expectations we give kids. You need to tell them what's right and wrong and expected before you correct them for not doing it. Amen? So you have to be clear. And, and we have the expectation, a couple areas, they would get good grades, they would do all these things. But we had one big expectation, they would handle their own business. Why don't you explain to them what that meant when we said, we want you to handle your own business. Tell them where it started. Okay. So, um, I remember one of the biggest things when we were younger, like, like a lot younger, like elementary school is that, um, when we would go to like a restaurant or specifically like Chick-fil-A and they would forget something or we would need something else like for our meal, we would, they would be like, well, if you need the sauce, you have to go ask for it. Um, (laughs) and I'm sure all three of us were, did not like that, um, at first, but I mean, I get my own sauce at Chick-fil-A now, so. (laughs) And she's almost 21. We're very proud. (laughs) We're like. (laughs) Chick-fil-A was like the thing. Uh, My dad took my son to Chick-fil-A, I don't know, eight out of seven days out of the week. And then we would take him. And it was this, I just thought it was a big deal. Like you order your own food. You can talk. So if you want the three-piece nugget, you tell them you want the three-piece nugget. Don't tell me to tell them. They're right in front of you. So the expectation was they were going to communicate as early as we thought they could. So what would happen is they would inevitably forget the sauce. So I started realizing once the pain became so great, they were able to ask for it themselves. Then we had reached the threshold. So we started telling them early. I can remember like it was yesterday sitting at Chick-fil-A. And like, oh, I forgot the honey mustard. I'm like, I, I got my honey mustard. <laughs> I mean, I'm a big boy. I asked for mine. So if you want to get some, go up there and ask for it. Handle your business, kid. And so they would inevitably go, no, I'm good. I'm like, you better be good because you're not getting any of mine. Wasn't being stingy. I was trying to teach them. I'm not going to be standing beside you at 20 years old so you can tell me what you want me to order for you while you're standing there looking at them. Teenagers can rise up. Young people can rise up to the level you ask them to. And so we just always believed that they could accomplish it. And then we would give them space to do it in. We would set up scenarios where they would have to do it. And so we, we believed that was a huge deal. So it played out in sports for you. Yeah, um... I don't, all of my, I played soccer for a long time and I don't think you ever talked to any of my coaches for me. If I ever had an issue or, or I had to miss a practice because of something or I, something else was happening, I was the one that always had to go to my coach and be like, Hey, this is what's happening. And, um, and yeah, that, I had to do that with my coaches, my teachers, anyone else. I had to, I had to be the one to talk to them if I had something that, um, that I had to be addressed. 
Yeah, so he, here's something we started, we started doing up front. We believe the teacher first. Uh, that might not be popular in today's culture, but I know, I know the devil was in my kids at times. And so from a 12-year-old's perspective, you might not get the whole deal. So we decided we're going to trust the teacher and have the expectation that you can go and have a conversation with the teacher. Amen? And then, look, if it got way out of hand, we never had to do it. Right. We, we counseled them. We coached them through that. We didn't just say, well, you go figure it out. It's okay. Here's, this is how you have that conversation. You need to understand what their perspective of this may be. Going to be respectful. Yeah, be respectful. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so we just, we just that was the, one of the expectations was you're going to handle your own thing. And what that has done for us is I remember last, last year, Madeline was 19 years old. She's a sophomore in college, and, and I'm standing at her house. She lived off campus, and she asked me uh, whether she should do something. And, it, and, it, and I just thought, I remember looking at her and going, you're 19 years old. I'm not making that decision for you. You know what's right. You know what's wrong. I said, just let me know what you choose. Text me. Let me know what you choose. And, and, and so parents do this. Be consistent in your expectations. If you're expecting the kid to make the decision, then always expect them to do it. Don't, don't flip back and forth. Well, I'm going to do it for you this time. You do it next time. Just let's raise the bar on expectations for our teenagers and believe they can accomplish those things. Amen? All right. The last one, we got to be quick about this. And I believe this is an important thing. Trust. So why don't you read it? It's the tail end of some of those scriptures. Uh, so verse 21 says, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And then verse four says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So tell them about the conversation. I, I was in panic mode when we had this conversation. I think you were a senior in high school. Okay, so um, I think I was talking about uh, one of my friends at the time that wasn't allowed to do something or go somewhere, and I was like, "Oh, their parents are so strict; they can't do anything." And um, then he, I'm a pastor. <laughs> yeah, and then you look at me and you're like, "Well, do you think we're strict?" And I was like, "No, not at all." <laughs> I think Chris had a panic attack. He was like, "Oh my gosh, what did I do?" I did. I'm looking around like we have failed. She grew up in a pastor's home and she's like, we do whatever we want. And, and I'm thinking, okay, how do I recover? So I look over and I go, okay, you have never given me a reason not to trust you. When you do, it'll look different. And I think that was, I think that was the end of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to beat this horse to death. Let me say this. Respect is earned. Trust is given. Respect is earned, trust is given. You respect somebody for what they have done. There's going to be times in your life where you have to trust somebody and you don't know enough about them to respect them. When your kid is 12 years old or 13 years old or 14 years old, you, like we let them do things that showed them that we trusted them. They're 12. They don't have a track record of respect. Your 12 year old's not saying, you better respect me. I got a history. So you have to extend trust to them. But parents, here's, here's the pivotal thing that we don't talk about. Your kids have to trust you. It is almost more important for your kids to trust you 
as it is for you to trust them. Because what happens is if your kids don't, if you say one thing, do another, tell them this thing, but then you do it. Don't do as you, 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 you don't do as I do, do as I tell you. If that's the standard of your home, then they won't, they're not going to trust you. And that's so important. And so what we tried to do was, was be consistent enough for them to trust us so that when we turned around and trust them, they knew what the relationship looked like. Okay, we trust them, so now they can trust us. So we just said, okay, so we spoke trust into them. And let me tell you how this works. I don't ever remember, I don't ever remember them leaving the house when they started driving and us going, don't you dare go someplace that I told you not to. You're not speaking trust into your kids. You're speaking doubt into your kids. I, I never said, I, you better not. You better not go where I told you not to. You better not hang around these people. You never better not. Blah, 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 blah. When they left the house, we would say, hey, go have a good time. Because we were consistent and the expectations were high. So now the next step was to give trust and let them operate. Amen? Give them the trust. If you teach them well and have a great expectation, why right before they do it, tell them you don't believe they're going to do it? That never made any sense to me. So she get in the car. We did have Find My iPhone. We still have Find My iPhone. You never, did you ever think we were stalking you? Um, no. It's quicker. No, quicker. no, because... <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, they let me know, like, why they were getting it. They said they wanted to make sure that, like, I arrived at my destination, that I got home, like, when I was leaving. Um, we might like have used the kidnapping thing. I don't know. I mean, say whatever you got to say. What if you get kidnapped and we got to turn your phone I off? actually thought it, but you definitely told me that, too. <laughs> but um, I never felt like they were, like, trying to figure out what I was going to do so that they could get me in trouble or anything like that. Um, yeah, I knew that they were honest with me about what they were using it for and they would tell me when they would look at my phone and look at see where I was and things like that so so we wanted to be open with the kids and say hey look if we're going to let you do this we trust you to do the right thing in this by the way parents if you don't trust your kids why would you let them that's that's a mixed signal if I already don't trust you to do that I'm not going to let you do that but if I trust you why would I act why would I just turn around and act like I didn't Hey, I'm going to let you do this, but I'm going to warn you up front. I think you're going to not do it well. So we, we would be consistent, raise the expectation. Hey, if you're going, if you, if you tell me that's where you're going, I believe that's where you're going. And when, and, and I'll believe it until you give me a reason not to believe it. But I'm not even going to talk. I want you to have a good time tonight. So go enjoy yourself when you're coming home. And we would negotiate that a little bit and, then, and we would come home and then, and then they would, they would talk to us about it. And so, stand your feet. I want to tell you one last thing. Consistency, expectations, and trust, and then make time to listen to your kids. This is the most difficult thing for me. I'll be honest with you right now. Both of our daughters worked at Chick-fil-A, and they would get off in the middle of the week, sometimes get home at 11 o'clock. Guess what they wanted to do? I turn into a demon at 11.01. I'm laying in bed. And I'm like, it's bedtime. It's not my fault you got off late. So they would come in the bedroom. My wife can sleep 
with every light on in the house. So until they came home, you couldn't turn the lights off. So what would happen is we would sit there and they would come in and I wasn't good at this. I'll just be real honest. They would come in and they would start talking and I would think, oh dear God, they're going to talk about their whole life tonight. And it's already 1130. And I would start saying, all right, all right, it's bedtime. It's bedtime. It's bedtime for me. I don't care about you. It's bedtime. It's bedtime. It's bedtime. And Beth would go, come on. They're only young once. I'm like, I'm only this age once. Let's, this got to go both ways. So we let them come into the room and we gave them time to talk about what they wanted to talk about. So be consistent, have high expectations, trust your kids to do what you've asked them to do. And then, uh, and then open up your door and let them talk about anything they want to talk about. Amen? Amen? Come on, Father, we ask that you bless every family in this room. We pray that you bless every parent that is frustrated right now. We pray that you give them consistency. We pray that they'd be able to raise the expectation for their kids. Lord, we pray that there be a trusting, a trusting relationship there. Lord, we pray that because we've had these conversations, Lord, our families would be better. Bless everyone as we leave today for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, we'll see you back here next week.